So tomorrow, well, first of all, let me explain. Today is Pentecost Sunday. You're like, Penta who? Pentecost Sunday. Roughly four, uh, you know, roughly 2,000 years ago, um, Jesus was crucified, died, buried, and rose again. He spent the next 40 days uh, with his disciples and apostles. He appeared to more than 500 people um, at one time. Um, he continued to walk with them and teach them. Um, and then he ascended to heaven. Last Sunday, we, we paused and re- remembered that Christ literally ascended to heaven to the throne of the universe. And he is ruling and reigning now that the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. Um, but, but the disciples were like, well, what's the deal? You know, okay, we d- they really didn't understand how come Jesus just didn't fix everything they wanted fixed right then. They didn't get it. And Jesus said, well, there's some things that really you're not supposed to understand. But he told them at that, uh, at that point to stay in Jerusalem and pray because um, the Holy Spirit was going to, to descend upon them. Their lives were going to be radically changed. And they were going to be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so as they prayed on, on what we now call Pentecost Sunday, as they were praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon them in a powerful and very mysterious way. It said that the whole house where they were, where they were sitting, where they were praying together, um, was filled with the sound of a rushing mighty wind, like a hurricane gale force wind. And then uh, a strange fire came and divided and, and sat upon each of their heads. And they were enabled that day miraculously to speak, uh, to speak languages of, uh, of people from all over the world. 3,000 people that day um, received Christ as their Savior. Um, and the world has never been the same since. And so Pentecost Sunday, some people describe it as the birthday of the church. The birthday of the church. Tomorrow is also Memorial Day, so a couple of holidays um, on the, at the same time. Memorial Day um, is not Veterans Day, where we thank veterans, although it's always good to thank a veteran, amen? Always good. It's the day when we pause, or we should pause, from all of our fun activities at some point and reflect on the sacrifices that were made so that we would have the freedom to be able to do what we're doing right now. And so many other things. It's a time to remember those who have gone on and paid uh, uh, the highest price uh, for our freedoms. It's a time to remember heroes. Heroes that often wouldn't call themselves heroes. As a, as a little boy, I wanted to be a hero. Did you want to be a hero? I mean, what little boy doesn't play war? All right. Let's just do it this way. If you were, if you're a man, and at one point you were a boy, would you raise your hand if you played war with your friends? Yeah. Right? I made forts. I made grenades out of dirt clods. I got hurt. I hurt people. It was just a good time. I, you know, <laughs> it was fun. It was a blast. You know, because as a, as a little boy, you, wanna, you want your life to matter. You want respect. You want to do something and make a contribution to the world that's beyond just getting by. When I was 18, um, I found myself uh, in a group home, which I didn't want to be in a group home. And I wanted to do 
anything I could to get out of there. And so I, um, you know, I thought, well, maybe now's a good time for me to join the military. And so I dialed up the Marines because they're the few and they're the proud and they get cool uniforms and swords. Um, there's, I mean, no offense to Rob, who is uh, our West Point, um, West Point Academy graduate Army officer. Nothing. I don't think anything is more sexy than a Marine Corps dress blue uniform. I mean, seriously. I mean, when, when guys walk by in those, I hold on to my wife. Because those uniforms are chick magnets. Well, you know what the Marines told me? No. No. I could beat you up. You're a recruiter. You're a glorified salesman. <laughs> no. So then, I was like, well, what am I going to do next? I called the Army. You know what they told me? No. So in my way of thinking, I went down the list, and I called the Navy. Because I'm thinking, cause, and the reason they were telling me no is because I have asthma. So I'm thinking, how much running can you possibly do on a ship? <laughs> you know what they told me? No. So then I called the Air Force. No offense if you're in the Air Force, Tiffany. It was just, it's a really good branch to have a family in. So I called the Air Force. No. Really? I called everything that I possibly could. Everybody's telling me no until I finally got to the California Air National Guard Reserves. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. I've never even heard of those guys. And they told me no. I was depressed. Facing rejection because of asthma. Then this past Monday, everything changed for me. I watched Captain America. Have you seen that movie? A little guy who got rejected. I'm not that little. But a little guy who, got, who had asthma and got rejected over and over and over. And then he got injected. And he became a superhero and single-handedly won the Second World War. thought, yeah, wait till that happens to me. <laughs> yep, go visit all those people. So today I'm going to talk to you very briefly, very briefly about discovering your own inner superhero. Discovering your superhero, your inner superhero. When the Holy Spirit descended on the church 2,000 years ago, nothing was the same after that. And yet, strangely, everything was kind of the same. I mean, the kingdom of God was breaking into human history and transforming everything. From that day forward, the world is on a trajectory. There's a goal and an end of history that we are moving toward. And yet, uh, and I'm aware of that as a follower of Christ, but also it's, 
it's easy to forget. Because the world just continues to go on and on and on um, and not take notice. You know? It's like history just tends to repeat itself. The writer of Ecclesiastes, I believe, said, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. The world just continues to go on and on and on. When will the world get it, I wonder? When, when, when will we all wake up and realize that there's more than meets the eye, to quote a Transformer reference, in life? There's other things going on. How will the world come to know that Christ is risen? That he is king? That he is returning? How will the world know? I thought about Christians, and this is a, you know, an election year too. I was thinking about that this week. I thought, you know, for a lot of us as Christians... But we think, well, the world will recognize when they realize that we're right, you know, because we know the truth. Nobody else out there really knows the truth at all, but we're right. Except for all those embarrassing clashes we've had with science over the years. Not only them, but like, um, you guys know who Galileo is? That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Copernicus. You know, when the church decided to, to... persecute people who are making advances in science back in the day um, and continue to make the argument that the earth was the, first it's flat and it's the center of the whole universe. That was embarrassing. We have a few of those. A few embarrassing things. I think people who are not Christians, you know, if they're informed, they probably look at us and go, we don't, you guys don't have the best track record of proclaiming the truth to the world. (laughs) Are they wrong? No, I don't think so. And I did a lot of studies in Christian apologetics, which is basically uh, a philosophical discipline of being able to demonstrate intellectually that Christianity is not only reasonable, um, but once once you look at it, it's hard to deny the truth of it. I mean, I studied and did a whole certificate in that only to realize that that's probably not the, the issue with most people. So how else will they know? Ah, here's another good answer that we use. Because we will enforce our morality on others. I know I'm on thin ice, but a few, or was it a couple of weeks ago, uh, President Barack Obama came out of the closet, so to speak, Somebody said he came out and showed everybody he was a Democrat. <laughs> um, but he came out and spoke um, and, and told of briefly of his journey, com- of coming to the conclusion that he believes that gay people ought to be able to get married. And so many Christians are very up in arms about that. Because, you know, if you believe in the Bible, that's a tough pill for you to swallow. Like, hmm... So I'm not making light of the situation, you know, but um, there's all kinds of debate and fussing going on on TV, you know, about about that issue, about gay marriage. And so many Christians think that, well, the answer for us is to continue to enforce our morality. Everybody needs to see it exactly the way we see it. Um, And so we'll vote and we'll have and I'm not trying to make light. I know these are complicated issues. 
you know. But the reality, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, but it just seems to me that most people in America just don't care. They're just like, okay, well, they say they're in love, you know. I got enough worries in my own life to be trying to worry about what you're doing in your bedroom. They just don't seem to care. And they don't seem to want to be in other people's business that much. And then they're like, well, if they say they're in love, what are you going to do? Just leave people alone. So, so some Christians were like, you know, we need to, to stand up. We need to kind of go to political war over these kinds of issues. I wonder, though, and this is just me, this is not gospel, but I wonder, I wonder how that's helping the cause of Christ at the moment. This is just me thinking. Is that, at this time in history making our culture more open to hear about Jesus? It's worth thinking about. Ah, so if we don't, you know, if we, if we don't let the world know about Jesus by being right and convincing everybody that we're always right, or by enforcing our morality on others, maybe the world will come to know about Jesus and the truth of, of his resurrection Um, because they'll see that we're better than everybody else. You know, the world is average Joe's gym, and we're Globo gym, and we're better than everybody. And we know it. We're better than you. I mean, I, I would like to believe that. I would like to believe that as Christians, we have, we have just, we have morally evolved um, so that the world would look at us and go, wow, now that's what it looks like to be perfect. And then I realize I'm part of a church. And it, this, this church would be perfect if I wasn't in it. Because I'm absolutely convinced of the fact that I'm not perfect and that I'm flawed and that I'm broken and that I'm wounded and that I'm healing and I'm on a journey with Jesus I saw one study that said, basically, if you boil it all down in America, there's little to no difference between the way Christians, self-professing Christians, and non-Christians live. Little to no difference. That Christians generally have the same goals and desires as everybody else, and we pursue the same things as everybody. maybe Maybe that's part of the problem. But I'm not sure that the world is going to look and be impressed, super impressed. Now, we have our shining stars, right? We do. But that's what they are, shining stars. So how will this world come to know? If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read um, 13 verses. Now, here's some background information. This, this book, the book of 1 Corinthians, is actually a letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul um, to Christians in a place called Corinth. Corinth is one of those 
Corinth is a, well, let me put it this way. If my administrative bishop called me up tomorrow and said, Steve, I've got an awesome new church for you to pastor. The location is unbelievable. It's in the Mediterranean. It's near the coast. It's wildly cosmopolitan. It's diverse. It's wealthy. It's exotic. There's lots of history and tradition and it's, it's unbelievable. It's a great opportunity. And he, and I said, wow, that's where, where is it? I mean, cause when that hearing those things would really, you know, get me thinking. And he said, it's in Corinth. I would say, oh, yeah, I totally would, but I got this Emmaus Road thing going on. And who wants to miss 106-degree summers, you know? <laughs> Corinth was a church. The church there was had issues, issues, real issues. In fact, every letter I think that Paul ever writes to a church is to a church with major issues. I mean, if I'm correct, I think in Corinth, one of the issues he addressed in the beginning was um, uh, the problem of this guy who was, you know, in church and all involved up in church. And at the same time, he was like sleeping with his stepmom. And people knew about it and didn't do anything. You know, and Paul has to actually write about it in there. There's issues, lots of issues, all kinds of issues that these people are dealing with. And, and Paul is writing them to help them with these issues and, and to do some other things. Um, by the time we get to what we now call chapter 12 in this letter, um, he's now going to change gears and he's going to talk to them a little bit about spiritual gifts. Something that the Holy Spirit is doing. And so let's read the first 13 verses and catch a feel for where he's going. He writes, now. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, by the way. Regarding your question about spiritual ability or special abilities that the Spirit gives, the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I don't want, uh, so so I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God. No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives you great faith, gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit 
who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some are slaves, some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Let's pray for a second. Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying to us in this place this morning? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, as I attempt to open up this passage of Scripture. May you cause us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. the Holy Spirit. I think in this passage and in others that are similar, and many of the things Jesus says, we get our answer to the question of how will the world know that Christ is risen? It's because Christ is still doing his work today. He's still doing his stuff. Who is the Holy Spirit? Here's a simple, super simple, way simple definition. And next week being Trinity Sunday, I'll give you some more complex stuff. But basically what I'm saying this morning is that the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus empowering and uniting us to reconcile the world to himself. I'll say that one more time. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus empowering and uniting us to reconcile the world to himself. That the Holy Spirit is Jesus in us, among us, with us. That he is still with us today. He's in you. He's in me. Jesus is still doing his stuff. Jesus is still carrying forward his mission. He's empowering us. This past week um, in Rob's class, we um, looked at the results from spiritual gifts tests. They're actual tests, um, and they're not perfect, you know. Uh, But you can take them, and it'll ask you a series of questions. Rob's had like 200 questions or something like that. Um, And you will go through those, and it gives you a clue of how God may have specifically and specially gifted you. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you have been given special abilities by the Holy Spirit. Special ways that he has equipped you and working through you so that you can participate in the mission of Jesus. He empowers us. Um, I looked, and um, Cindy, who's with the children this morning, a couple of Cindy's spiritual gifts that came up in the test, I believe, were um, discernment of spirits. Was that right? And... Wisdom, I think that was another, um, and helps. Now you'll be like, well, what is that? Well, let me break it down, just boil it down. For years, I've lived in Arizona almost nine years now. For nine years, I've watched Cindy care for people. I've watched Cindy go out of her way and turn her car 
into her own private church and counseling office as she escorts people. When we first started Emmaus Road Church, we were on Thunderbird and the 101, way far away. Cindy lives on 24th Street. Oh, it's even worse, 40th. That's really far. But for nine years, I've watched her go out of her way to care for people. More than once, God has used her to speak into my life and say the right thing at the right time, to shed wisdom on my situations. And I've seen her do it for many of you. Now, how did she, where did that come from? I mean, did she, did she go off to college one day and learn how to do that? No. It's just something that God did in her. And she can't help it. You know that because sometimes you've wanted her to do something to help it and not tell you what she's telling you. (laughs) But it just comes out of the inside of her. It's the way, one of the unique ways that Jesus has decided to work through her life to benefit us. I'm so, after, after watching her struggle so hard for four years after losing her job and getting no job and uh, being financially just devastated um, because unlike what she had been told, she, she didn't qualify to get unemployment because the group that, the, where she had been employed did not pay unemployment tax. So no source of income. For a long time. And yet she never stopped loving Jesus. She never stopped loving us. And it just thrills me to death. I mean, I'm so excited for her that um, this month she got accepted into an extremely prestigious uh, program in marriage and family therapy at Fuller Theological Seminary. A degree that she wouldn't have really dreamed that she was qualified to do. The whole application process she was telling me the reasons why you know it it probably won't work out because she didn't have this and she didn't have that and they wanted this and she couldn't provide it and she gets the word she's one of only a handful there's only going to be 24 people this year in that program max that's it that's the cap she's one of a handful of people that got selected to be a, a part of this program a groundbreaking program she's going when she's done and is gonna, she's going to have to go through hell first. But when she's done, she'll be, there's, she'll be, I mean, she won't do this, but she will be, her, what, what she's able to do will be able to command 100 to $200 an hour. That's awesome. But is that why she was doing it? No. But I love seeing people get blessed. And you know what's, what's so amazing about it, too, is that it's not, she's not just, she's not just going to go learn how to do something that she's not gifted in. She's gifted in something, and she's going to learn, and I believe God is going to use that program to sharpen and sharpen and sharpen her skills and abilities. So that she, at, after she's gone through all this, she's going to be able to do more for the kingdom of God than she ever has in her entire life. That's empowerment. That's the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's God at work. Oh, wow. He could have waited. 
That's really rude, Kendall. <laughs> Hooray! So rude. Here, Nick, hold this. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to stick to this. That's going to be awesome. But Cindy, Cindy's not the only one that the Holy Spirit has empowered. The Holy Spirit is in you, empowering you. You have gifts and abilities. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you know what they are? Holy Spirit is empowering us, but also uniting us. He gives us these gifts so that we can serve one another in love, not so that we can just go, yeah, look at me, woo! Which, you know, it's nice. It's nice to feel important and special from time to time. But the, the point of these gifts is so that we use them in service to one another and in service of the kingdom of God. And as we do that, as we just allow the Spirit of God to do his thing in us and through us, it brings us together. It builds unity. It builds us up together. It builds us up. It strengthens us together as each part of the body of Christ is doing uh, that part's work, uniting us. I think about um, Tina and Jim. I believe, if I'm right about this, that one of your spiritual gifts would be helps and hospitality. Yeah? You know, don't say, I don't say thank you enough, but week in and week out, we come here and there's a hospitality center set up. And all through the winter, hot chocolate would be there. In fact, TJ was super bummed this morning when there was no hot chocolate. He's like, where's the hot chocolate? Like, it's hot outside. I guess that, you know, slight dip in temperature was hot chocolate weather again. But there's always, the, there's always coffee. There's always hot chocolate. And you know what happens? And I watch it happen, and it's so awesome. People will get something and then just hang out and have conversations. Get to know one another better. See, it's not just about having something to drink or something to eat. There's something else going on. As, that, as they have used their gifts and their giftings like that, haven't we all seen it bring us together and build us up? I mean, in part, thanks to hot chocolate, I've grown a lot. But, those, but using those gifts has, has built us up and drawn us together so that we can more fully participate in the mission of the kingdom of God. And you know what's awesome, and she's not going to be, probably won't be too happy that I share this, but I have the hardest time getting Tina to turn in receipts for the stuff she buys for us. Like, Tina, give me the receipt. No, I lost it. Oh, I left it at home. All kinds of excuses. She also has the gift of lying. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I, watch, I watch as she uses her gifts. She's, she doesn't do it grudgingly. She enjoys what she does. And it builds us up and it strengthens us. It unites us because that's one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing. He didn't, he chose, God chose in his wisdom 
not to have the church exist by just a few lone superstars. And so he's distributed himself and the way he works throughout the body of Christ. I, as a preacher, as a pastor, cannot give you a full picture of Jesus. If you want to see what Jesus looks like, if you want to know what he does, watch, watch us. Watch us, watch the church when we're at our best. Watch when we love one another. Watch. Jesus reveals himself among us, through us, in us. He's uniting us. So he's empowering us and uniting us because he's drawing us into his mission. And what is his mission? He's reconciling the world to himself and to one another. The world is broken. Desperately broken. We have invented, we have invented like an infinite number of ways to divide ourselves. To divide ourselves from one another. I mean, race is not actually real. In a biological sense. It's a social thing we invented. Race, like so many other things, is, in re- is, is invented to give certain people an advantage over others. Money is something we invented. Isn't it? Nationalities, we invented. And, and not everything we've invented is bad, but... We just continue to find ways... Of dividing ourselves from one another. And then, so that we'll have an excuse for not caring for one another. This world is desperately broken. Unbelievably broken. It doesn't take a, it doesn't take a Christian to see that. It's obvious. It's apparent. And God is not standing by. Just letting it happen. But he's chose, he, God chose to get in the thick of things with us. To get his hands as dirty as they could possibly be. When God himself decided to be born and take on human flesh, I think the fact of who he was born as made a huge statement. Chose to be born to peasant parents. Basically in a barn. Took his first naps in an animal feed trough. When God chose to walk this earth in human flesh, he chose to walk it as a poor minority. Not as a rich and powerful majority. What does that tell us? Two of the things that divide humanity... Often, so much, they divide humanity for their own economic advantages so many times. Are the two institutions that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was a political assassination. It was was a corrupt government working with a corrupt religion. Or religious leaders.
But God is reconciling this world to himself. God is drawing these broken, fractured pieces and putting them back together. He's drawing us to himself and us to one another. Did you hear in the end when Paul, at the end of the text that we read, Paul mentioned, you guys, you know, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles. Do you know what a big deal that was? Huge, huge deal. You know, Jews and Gentiles didn't get along back in the day. And yet, in this new community, this new humanity, the walls that divide and tear down, or the walls that divide us from one another were broken down. And a new humanity was being formed out of groups that never would have came together previously. I mean, from where I am this morning, I can see the evidence of what God is doing. Right? So, I'm a white boy. You didn't know that. I just keyed you in, right? But we have all kinds of people in here. We have African Americans. We have Hispanics. We have Asian. (laughs) We need some more Asians. Men, women. We have different different educational backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. But here, we're all one in this community. This is a foretaste of what heaven will be like. A foretaste of what heaven will be like. I think about Rochelle and um, Marla. Rochelle's not here with us, but they also did the spiritual gifts tests. And... Rochelle got one that shocked her. It was evangelism. I'm right with that, right? And she's like, evangelism? Well, that's, I don't don't evangelize. I think sometimes we have a narrow definition of evangelism. You know, that's the person that goes out and preaches on a street corner or, you know, tells everybody they're awful sinners going to hell. Um, They need to find Jesus. Well, that's not the only way evangelism, that's not the only way evangelism works. I was so happy. Um, Rob asked the question at the beginning of class. If you could do anything, you know, any job, what would your dream job be? What would it be? And Rochelle said, I, I would love to open a dance studio. That, and at this dance studio, every person who wants to would get the opportunity to study and learn how to dance. Because oftentimes good dance studios are very expensive. And so many of us would never have the opportunity to do that. She's going off to Azusa Pacific University in the fall to start there. And I think what she mentioned was evangelism. Doesn't that look kind of like what Jesus does? Includes people who have always been excluded I think about Marla. She's at Pepperdine University. Just finished your sophomore year, right? Going to be a junior. Wants to go on to law school, and that's pretty much where we've landed, right? Wants to go off to law school. Why? Well, so she can join Phillips and Associates and be an an injury accident lawyer and make lots of money. 
No. No. Same same day, I, I heard. Or I, I mean, I heard Marla say, "If I could do anything, I would want to try a case in front of the Supreme Court." Why? I'm going to take a guess here. Because she knows that whatever lands at the front door of the Supreme Court is important and it matters. And she has a vision of doing something with her life that benefits humanity. Doesn't that sound kind of like Jesus? Doesn't that sound... What would motivate someone who could command a huge salary to want to devote their life to practicing law and serving the needs of the poor and the excluded? I don't know what, Marla. But doesn't that sound a little bit like Jesus? That, that Jesus is revealing himself to the world first by who we are, then by what we do, and finally by what we say. I think about Rochelle. I hope she does get to do that dance studio. I hope somehow everything comes together and that works out. And then I hope one day, as she's getting ready to lock the doors and lock up, one of these kids comes up to her and says, why do you do this? Why do you do what you're doing? And I hope in that moment, she gets to tell him about Jesus. Jesus said that the world would know us, that we would, the world would know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. Love not not just our feelings, our good feelings for one another, but the, the way we love one another in service and in action. So even if you have issues this morning, which I do, you, you might. God wants, God wants to work through you. God is drawing you into his mission in one way or another. I would say to our graduates, I hope, my hope and my prayer would be that you live your life not just for yourself. That you would allow the Spirit of God to draw you into something. Um, some, that you would allow Him to draw you into His mission. That the goals for your life would be more than just to get a good job and to make money and to raise a family, and all those are not bad things. Those are not bad things. But that you would understand that as a follower of Jesus, you're being drawn into something. You're being drawn into the mission of Jesus. You're being drawn into what is ahead. And I would encourage you and all of us to prayerfully discover how God has uniquely equipped you. 
and then give yourself to it. Serve others. Love one another. Build up one another, the body of Christ. And as, as Christ does that in us, the world will take notice. They will take notice. Stand with me. That you've given us together. Thank you for our graduates again. May you bless them richly. Lord, it's not by our own might or creativity or power or our own strength that this world is going to come to know you. It's by your spirit. Lord, help us to be a community that hungers and thirsts for that. May we be a community that allows you to do your stuff through us. A community that builds one another up. A community that is on mission with you. Sent as ambassadors to reconcile this world to you and to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.